There we go. Right. Hello. Welcome to the GigCX Decoded podcast number six in the series where we dive into the world of uh, gig-based customer service or GigCX as we call it. Uh, brought to you by Limitless. I'm your host, Chris Dumpleton. I have the pleasure of leading the sales and marketing charge here at the Good Ship Limitless. And uh, on this podcast, we're, we're getting into more detail around uh, gig-based customer experience. Um, GigCX is our shortened version of that. And just as a quick introduction to what that is, is about enabling businesses to crowdsource customer support by routing digital inquiries to often crowds of their own customers to get rewarded on a per gig basis. So it's the Uber for the contact center world is, is my um, 30 second pitch summary when people ask what it's all about. And today, uh, really excited, I've got Peter Ryan on the show. Peter, lovely to see you. Hey, great, thanks for having me on, Chris. And we were just having a quick chit chat offline about the weather, and I think we're uh, outweathered you today. And um, you said you might have a you might have a dog appearing in the background, so maybe they can offer some insights as well. Well, I don't know about appearing, but certainly he might make himself <laughs> known, uh, especially if the postman happens to knock, which uh, he gets very excited about. He does. Okay. Well, um, do you know, I'll talk to you another time about um, about dogs. I've got a weird background in dog psychology. I know it's one of my my uh, specialized subjects. But anyway, but that's not today. T today we're talking about uh, customer service. So, uh, so yeah, Peter, you're the president and principal analyst of uh, Ryan Strategic Advisory. So, rather than me do a bad job of talking about who that is and and what it is, why, why don't you give the listeners a quick intro into you and and what that you know what that business is all about. Ryan Strategic Advisory was born six years ago, in fact, nearly six years to the day as we record this podcast, Chris. The yeah. idea behind my organization is that we work with stakeholders across the BPO and CX ecosystem to try and enable them to get closer to the market segments that they want to attack to be able to identify the right opportunities, whether it's from the standpoint of geographies, technologies, or industries. But the whole idea is really to provide the insight and really, I think, the strategic penetration that so many organizations are looking for in order to stand out in what's become a very generic crowd across the customer experience management environment. Mm, okay. And you say that six years old and, and uh, you know, how have, how have you weathered the pandemic storm and you know, were you called more upon or less upon during that time? You know, it's interesting. Nobody really knew what was going to happen at the outset of March 2020. What I found was that the interest in CX and the interest in the services that my organization provides actually went up, which was great in many ways. Mm. I suppose the downside was given the fact that we couldn't go anywhere, we couldn't do anything, taking any time off to regroup and to recharge was very difficult. But now that we seem to be heading towards what looks like a semblance of normalcy or a return to normalcy, uh, I think that not just myself, but many different executives and many different organizations are looking to try and recalibrate and, and to find that balance once again. Mm, okay, good stuff. All right, well, um, that's actually probably a nice segue into one of the first questions I had for you actually um, and it was an article I saw this morning uh, on the FT um, which you know when you say you sort of return to normalcy and I'm, and I'm wondering if this is an indication of more uh, global normalcy coming but certainly from the Philippines so the article goes something like this and I'm just going to read off some of the aspects here which was that the Philippine call centers win the battle to make remote work permanent so you know, having read the article, it would appear now that the 
uh, allowances for the percentages of those that were allowed to work from home and, and enable them to do that has now been removed. Um, did you if, if, did you see this article, or have I just um, have I just curveballed you with it? I think a lot of other destinations governments are going to be thinking twice if they were considering the idea about mm. putting some type of a restriction on the proportion of workers that can deliver CX remotely. To my mind, if the Philippines is going to move away from such regulation, it would just make sense that whether it's a state, a municipality, or a national government would look to think twice as well. The fact of the matter is that those destinations that have competitive labor markets and that are going to be as competitive as possible are the ones that are going to garner the most in regards to employment and in terms of long-term development of their economic and social strata. So to, as far as I'm concerned, this sets a very good precedent for other CX mm. destinations that might have been thinking of putting some type of a proportion or a restriction on the number of people that could work remotely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I mean, it's probably it's a nice little link into my next question, which really about wonder if this is primarily one of the reasons why they're doing this. But we, you know, what, one of the um, biggest trends that we see in the contact center industry, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this, is the difficulty in finding talent and not just your, and um, you know, I'll be careful with my terminology, your, and, and actually, sorry, let me just paraphrase this because my first ever job was in a contact center, right? So I'm not, I don't say these words in a way to be derogatory in any way whatsoever, but you know, the average contact center worker, right? Um, often are doing it as first jobs, right? They are doing mm -hmm. it to get onto the employment ladder and, and move into that world they, they rarely have any form of affiliation to a brand or or a industry you know or a profession you know it can generally be one of those entry points in so in that context so my question again was around one of the biggest trends we're seeing is contact centers finding enough talent in the first place what what's your what's your take on that particular problem and do you think it's becoming um harder just generally to find uh, that vanilla level of talent or more specialized talent in, in today's modern uh, economy? The talent's out there. The key is being able to attract the talent and attract the people who bring the right skills to the CX roles. And I think this is where a lot of contact centers have fallen down. And I mean, Chris, you know, much like you, one of my first jobs as a part-time worker when I was in university was funnily enough, working in a contact center right. and I was lucky because I had quite a fun environment and I quite mm -hmm. enjoyed the people I worked with. Unfortunately, that experience isn't replicated across all individuals who have had the chance to be in some type of a CX role. In my opinion, if we're going to be driving the right people into the contact center, if we're going to be driving the right people who want to work in customer experience, we've got to find ways of making things challenging for them in a positive fashion. They can't just be going in to punch a card or to cash a paycheck. Mm -hmm. It's got to be work that's meaningful. And I saw a really great presentation on this topic from Fifth Talent not long ago in Las Vegas at CX Outsourcers, where they were talking about the need to try and engage with individuals. The reality is people want to work. People want to go into some type of uh, an employment environment, but they're not going to stay unless they're going to be put in a situation where they're stimulated. And I think that's where the 
the contemporary contact center in many cases has fallen down. And until there's going to be a manner of addressing this, and until there's going to be some methodology put in place with centers that are facing these challenges to rectify this, they're just going to be dealing with churn, they're going to be dealing with attrition, and they're going to be dealing with this new phenomenon of quiet quitting. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's feedback we, we hear regularly from our clients, um, finding them in the first place. I mean, it's, it, that's one of the reasons why why we exist, frankly, is, you know, is to kind of challenge that paradigm of saying rather than bring the people to the work is take the work to the people and and the the, mm -hmm. the digital mechanisms that you know provide that communication but also the nature of the work itself not being you know asked to work in shifts and and structured environments be able to work on the fly in a in a gig way is, is a way that offers a different access to talent that may not have been able to be attracted in in the first place what was i mean what's your um what's your take on gig cx what do you think is the you know the, the reasons why it's becoming more interesting more topical now and and you know do you have any sort of you know direct feedback from anybody around that or any you know particular observations based on the work that you've done Based on the work I've done, there's a lot of interest out there, both from the angle of the enterprises looking to try and engage a new way of delivering customer experience, as well mm. as from the BPO community that I deal very heavily with right. in regards to being able to take advantage and leverage this new way of CX that's being brought to the table very, very aggressively the past few years. I think, Chris, for me, the the thing that really sticks out for Gig CX is it's not necessarily a chance to hire somebody who's going to be a typical CX agent, but really this is the harnessing of brand ambassadorship. Something mm. that I really enjoy hearing about is when you talk to organizations that have leveraged gig and they discuss how they're, they're supporting a particular brand and they put the clarion call out. Do you want to support a particular technology firm? Do you want to support a particular financial services firm or an e-commerce platform? you get people who are so enthusiastic that eat, breathe, and sleep these brands that they're supporting. Mm. They're going right. to go the extra mile if they're going to be working in this, this gig CX manner. They're going to do everything they possibly can, not just to support the end client, but to make sure that that end client is going to come back and want to use that brand or to leverage that brand even more. Why? Because they are motivated, they're passionate about brands. And Something I like to talk about with people, uh, something I always ask about is what brands, if you were to think about two or three different brands mm. you are absolutely in love with, what would they be? And, you know, it's funny, Chris, because everybody's got one. And this is where I see the advantage with the gig, especially. This business model has the chance to attract that type of individual who not just brings the right technical skills or maybe even CX skills, but brings that, that level of engagement with the brand where they're not just able to go the extra mile but their level of depth of knowledge is that much further. Mm. What, what would, uh, I'm going to ask you, you've set it up beautifully for me. What would your, what was your one product or brand that you would be an advocate for, an ambassador for? You know, uh, that's a really good question. I'm going to give you a couple. <laughs> um, from a financial services standpoint, obviously, much like yourself, I travel a lot, and I find American Express an invaluable Right. credit card to hold. I think that it is an incredible company. If I contact them by telephone, I get through within one or two rings. They're always exceptionally uh, well-informed, very 
very, very good in terms of making sure that by the time you get off the telephone, your issue is going to be solved. And I mean, the points that they bring to the table, the access to airline lounges, it really can't be beat. Mm -hmm. uh, another brand I love, funnily enough, as, as you can see, Adidas. I'm a huge there fan. You there you go. There you go. Good quality clothes. And something I love about Adidas, it doesn't matter if it's the shoes or the, the shorts or the tops. I know my size. If I order anything <laughs> online, it fits the first time out. I never have to send it back. I never have to take it back to the store. Excellent. Well, everyone, and it's funny you say that. I mean, every, like you say, everyone has their just that personal relationship. But the, so the, the thing that for me that this um, provides is this it sometimes, you know, contact centers often work in a world of just objective KPIs and metrics, you know, that, yeah. that constant seesaw of, you know, demand comes in. Yeah, if a, if there wasn't any demand in a con, I mean, contact centres normally are designed and sized based upon a relationship towards how much a bit, how much is being sold. You know, so the the the, you know, the forecast for what's going to be come through the front door in terms of sales is like, well, we anticipate now there being this type of aftercare required from it, and they get off and get budgets, and those budgets then determine right. Well, we've got we've got a you know, handle this amount of contact but we've got to try and get to this level of csat and there's your seesaw is the constant balance mm -hmm. between cost and csat and that world lives in metrics around speed of answer and handle time and first call resolution and and your know, mps scores and, and and there are so many objective metrics that everybody scorecards everywhere in your face but the one thing that's quite hard to objectify is this world this word like you know, empathy right and it, it's this sort of ethereal thing that floats around but we all know because we can relate to it as humans yeah that would you rather you know th this is the, you know, the the killer question i always sort of ask people i mean it's a bit it's teed up but you know i don't think anybody can argue it which is that would you rather you know if, if i've got a technical question about a product um would i rather talk to someone who's got that product uh versus someone who doesn't and you know as long as the answer is well, not as long as the answer is, but you know, the perspective I would I would put on that would be well, as long as they can still give me the technical answer, do then great. But also, I would, of course, I'd love to talk to someone who's got it because they can say, yeah, I've got your thing, isn't it great? By the way, have you heard about this? Here's what I did, and yeah, there is that little bug, and there is this little thing, and but you know, here is my experience, and and that is just like you walk it into a walk it into a pub or a bar or something you meet someone and go uh oh i've got this thing and they, oh i've got one of those have you oh let me ask you a few questions and you ask them and they just offer their help because it taps into that that you know readership or the, you know that that person that like you say mm -hmm. when when they've already made the decision to buy the brand on their own volition and then they get asked whether you they would also like to represent that brand to be able to offer other customer service for others that distilled into the interaction that 30 second two minute interaction with someone who's asking a question and they come out of that going i really related to that person because they've got my thing but where do you put that on a scorecard and i don't know if that's a question just what's your view on that but it's it's so true and i mean everything you've just said makes sense we've all had an experience where we've been in a, a restaurant or a pub or a bus or a train we can't do something on our telephone we look over to the person sitting across from us do you know how to make this adjustment on the iphone or on the right. samsung and nine times out of ten you're going to find somebody actually knows how to do this and that's just learning through experience but it's also learning 
through people who are passionate about the different products and services that they're using. And a telephone is just one of them. You know, ask ask yourself about how many times you've looked for travel advice if you're flying on a particular mm. airline and exactly what you need to do in order to get the best seat assignment. Or if you're looking to try and get an upgrade, odds are you're going to call somebody who in your network who knows what they're doing. And this is what I love about the idea around empathy. It's the fact that it's not just somebody who is being paid to assist, but it's somebody who wants to assist, mm. somebody who wants to impart that level of knowledge. And this is what I, I love about the idea about brand ambassadorship. It takes CX to a whole new level. The idea that you really believe that you are representing a particular organization, that you're representing a brand, and that you want to almost, for lack of a better term, evangelize that brand through great support and to make sure that people want to try and reinforce their relationship with that brand. Uh, and and if it, it, I mean, most people will listen to this, and we would all recognise that you know, in the world out there at the moment, there are community forums, right? Which is, yeah, which yeah. is that, and everyone can relate to that. Now, what now? If you look at the kind of characteristics of a a community forum, it's people that have already that uh, well, let's say nine times out of ten have got the product or they've had the product, like right? mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. they would need to be able to say yes, I can answer that inquiry. It's digital because it's on a you know it's on a, on a on a forum out there and they've got to type in answers and they do it on their own free time. Now, all those things are what you know we you know and everyone that gets the answer gets the right answers in that would absolutely love it and there's real empathy in that. The problem I would say CX leaders may have around around that as a dependable channel or resource model is the fact that you are completely reliant on people's free will and yeah. often yeah some of them are uh, yeah, policed or you know there's some sort of federation in there and you know and um sort of management but often a lot of them can go a bit rogue and people either and it's not something you can typically attach service level metrics around so you can't it's a wonderful thing because it takes a lot of demand out and the demand it takes out is delivered real empathy as we've just discussed, but isn't something there, but everyone can relate to that. Now, for, for me, what, what gig CX is doing is, is it's taken all those core values, but because you put on top of it that you get rewarded for your time, you, you tap into dependability, scalability, and performance so you can then start to actually bring the benefits of a community forum-esque approach but also the ability for people to say yeah i want to work in this way and I, I want to be able to get rewarded for my time not just because i'm now not just doing it as a hobby it's now a thing and then you become more reliant on that do you i mean out of interest do you think i've got two questions for you as we approach the end but the first one is do, do you think gig CX is the wrong term. Do you think gig is the wrong term? Do you think there's a stigma associated with it? That's one question, by the way. So if we were having this conversation 12, 18 months ago, I might have been more inclined to say, yes, gig might right. not be the right expression. Let's, let's be perfectly frank, Chris. There were some issues around gig working in terms of perception, especially as various governments in different parts of Western Europe, as well as North America, started bringing in particular mm. elements of legislation as it related to the, the gig business model. I think that that's largely dissipated now. I don't mind the term gig. I think that gig works because people understand what we're talking about. But I think we need to be very careful here. 
we need to be very, very careful to sense when we're talking about a brand ambassador using the gig business model, that's very different from somebody delivering food or picking right. somebody up and driving them somewhere, taking nothing away from that work. It's very honest work and very mm. admirable, but this mm. is taking it to a whole new level. To my mind, gig is a descriptor that almost everybody will understand. They'll have mm. a basic idea of the concept. You're not going to need to re-educate them. You might right. need to explain what some of the nuances and the particulars are, but the reality is in terms of a starting point, it's something that most people will comprehend. Mm. Okay, well, that's interesting. I'm, I'm always in, um, intrigued because sometimes you get drunk on your own juice when you uh, talk about it all the time and you know, I'm always interested to hear what other people think. Um, so last question as we, as we approach uh, the end of this conversation is mm -hmm. what, what do you think prevents um, CX leaders from adopting a gig-based customer service model? What's preventing them from adopting this model, I think, is just perhaps a lack of a familiarity with how it works and how it can benefit their business. Uh, it, it's certainly, I think, in a much better position today than it was even six, seven months ago. And mm. we're seeing the work that Limitless is doing, as well as other providers who are in the market. The more organizations that bring the gig model in a credible fashion to the UK, to the USA, to Western Europe, to Canada, mm. to Australia, New Zealand, this is going to make, I think, the concept a lot more palatable. Because, Chris, look, let's be perfectly frank. We work in an industry in CX that's very much denoted in terms of follow the leader. A lot of organizations don't <laughs> want to be the ones who are going to break new ground. They want somebody else to do it. They want somebody else to prove that a business model is going to work. Then they'll jump on board. And I don't think that this is any different. The good news is when you talk to the enterprise community that are working with BPOs or that are using gig or that are deploying gig themselves, they're really satisfied with it. They really like it. They see mm. the net benefit. And let's be frank, people talk to each other. There's lots of conferences mm. happening. As you say, there's lots of forums that people follow on the internet. And the more good news stories about gig that come out, the more likely is that that pie is going to be expanded over the long term. Mm. I, I've, uh, this, is, this is dangerous if you've never heard of this, but have you ever seen that classic video on YouTube of the dancing man on the hill? You know, is it that big festival? There's a guy dan all dancing all on his own, and then everyone's looking at him thinking, that's a, that's a bit of a, that's a, that's a freaky guy. And then one guy goes and joins him and starts dancing. And then before, you know, two minutes later, the entire field is dancing. And, and I mean, hopefully GeekCX will have that. And, and uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's me out there doing the dancing. But no, it's, of course, our customers. And, you know, we're, we're very privileged to have, you know, the likes of Microsoft and Sony and Dell and HP and eBay, um, Samsung, you know, we've got these amazing brands that are all being that equivalent of those first dancing men on the hill. But anyway, that's a big, um, that's a big, <laughs> a different topic. But, no, but, um, but you know, Chris, you're, you're raising something here that I think is really important in the sense that there are established brands out there. There are that, that form part of our lives. I mean, I think about the number of products I've got from Samsung in my own house, and I've got several. Right. If, if somebody works in CX, the fact that I've got Samsung products, I think very highly of them, and that they're using Gig CX, that reinforces the business model to me because it's a brand I take seriously. And I think when you list the litany of different organizations you've just spoken about, mm. I mean, imagine the credibility that brings the business model over the long term as more and more leaders uh, across the enterprise community are going to hear about it. Mm, yeah, um, often we need to uh, you know remind ourselves of that as well. And the, the other thing I think you know, if anyone listening to this, is is the 
the level of diligence that you can imagine those organizations went through. You know, if, if there's any concerns around how this model works from a protection of workers and employment status and infosec and mm -hmm. all of that stuff that can often be the thing. If there's uh, any of those reasons why those organizations are not doing it, then, you know, as I like to say, we've done the Pepsi challenge with all of those and, you know, they're all uh, experiencing the benefits. But there we go. Enough of my... Uh, you you do you do realize you just dated yourself very massively. <laughs> I, I can't help it. I have these things and they uh, they come out a lot. But there we go. I love it. I think it's a, it's a great way of. I, I love that expression, the Pepsi challenge. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, and uh, but it, it, and every time I say that, people just go immediately and they can remember that advert, you know. And it's the, the, but there we go. Yeah. But brilliant. Anyway, right. Well, we could dive into adverts, but that's another topic. Um, Peter, thank thank you for joining the show. As always, you know, it's lovely to see thank you. you. Thank you for your insights, and uh, you know, for those listening, listen out for uh, episode seven uh, next episode. And if you want to know more about GigCX, the best place is on our website. The whole report that we've referenced is in there, where you get to hear about from people like Peter, from our experts, from other customers out there thinking about GigCX. But for now, uh, stay tuned, and we'll speak to you on the next podcast. Take care. Thanks.